your Bibles, can you open up with me to Exodus 16, and I'm reading uh, verses 6 to 10. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should, that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening, and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The uh, kid's story earlier on, Bob the bird, what was the quail's name? Quirky. (laughs) Kevin. Not that it's important, just wondered whether you were listening. Um, The the kid's story... Reminded us how we uh, we love to co- love to worry. We tend to worry. The uh, the second thing that we tend to love to do is complain. It seems to me that people have a natural bent towards complaining. We want life to be fair. We want it to be just. We want it to be an even playing field. We uh, we complain when the rules allow it. And we complain when it's not in the spirit of the game. We complain because we want to be heard. And we want things to be better than what we've got. And so we tend to complain. So we return to the story of the Exodus and the Hebrew people, they longed to be free from their slavery and so what did they do? They complained. They complained to God about their slavery and their their desire to be free. God heard their cries and he does indeed set them free. But as the Hebrew people begin their journey into the wilderness, they're faced with unknown challenges and they very quickly begin to complain. And if you've read the Old Testament, it just seems to come up time and time again. So walk with me through Exodus 14 and 15. Consider for a moment, though, the miracles of God, the miraculous hand of God. There were ten plagues, one after the other, that had ravaged the land. And that final plague involving the the Passover was that fateful night when Pharaoh sent them packing. He basically said, get out. I've had enough. Get out. And they took off and a few days later they found themselves being set upon by the Egyptian army. They were corralled into a dead end, struck or stuck between the, the Red Sea and the marauding Egyptian army. And they were struck with fear. Their lives under threat. Can you imagine with nowhere to go, 
and seeing the Egyptian army on its way towards you. However, the Lord parted the Red Sea, they crossed over to the other side on dry ground and then they watched as the horse and rider were drowned in the sea. They were indeed now free due to the miracles of God. But we love to complain. And now they felt, rather than be captive to Egypt, they were captive to the desert. They travelled three days into the desert. Chapter 15, verses 22 to 23, they came across a pool of water and it's too bitter to drink. So naturally a delegation storms into Moses' tent and they grumble and they complain and then naturally he turns to God. He cries out to the Lord and God instructs him just what to do to purify that water so that it's not only drinkable, it's now even sweet. And the Lord can make even that which is bitter sweet. He can transform a life, transform a heart from bitterness and anger through forgiveness into someone who is pleasant to be around. His desire is to transform people like you and I, once self-centred, self-serving, uncaring, unpleasant people, to being like Jesus, who, by the way, everyone wanted to be around. And God works in the most unusual of ways. Did anyone else think to throw some wood into the billabong? No. God instructs Moses just what to do, works in unusual ways. But think about Moses' life. At the burning bush, Moses declares that he is a man of faltering speech. Now, having crossed the Red Sea... Moses champions the people into song. Read Exodus chapter 15. He leads them with such eloquence. So cry out to Jesus and you too may sing your sweet praises of him. You see, the waters of your life might seem quite bitter at the moment. You might feel trapped within the circumstances of your life. There's something about the human nature that is always looking for more. We're we're dissatisfied and we're led to complain, feeling trapped in old age, sickness or disease, trapped in a relationship or a job that doesn't satisfy But can I encourage you that the Lord knows just what is needed to transform this into a sweet experience. Call out, call upon the Lord Jesus and he can transform this bitter time into sweet communion with him. Well, from there they move on to a place called Elam. Uh, Verse 27 in chapter 15. And this must have been some oasis. 
12 springs of refreshing water, 70 palm trees to include shade. There are no complaints here. This is what desert living is all about. Hanging the hammock between the the trees, sipping on coconut juice. Thank you, Moses. We could handle a bit more of this. There are passages throughout our lives that are just sublime. And maybe you're going through a patch at the moment that's just fantastic. Life is so good. But we want all of life to be like that, don't we? From there, they begin to move toward Mount Sinai, which is on the the way to the Promised Land. And so it's now been four weeks since they left Egypt, since they were released from slavery. And the novelty of camping out in the desert is beginning to wear thin. And so they once again bring their complaints to Moses from the superb and the sublime to the depths of despair. Verse 3 in chapter 16. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you've brought us out here into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They're not too happy, are they? We'd have preferred to have died in Egypt, they say, just as the firstborn in Egypt did, rather than waste away out here in the desert. At least we had plenty of meat and bread to eat back in Egypt. And sure, they had brought their herds with them, But they wouldn't last forever, not out in the desert. You can't grow a cereal crop or a garlic crop to make your your bread and your veggies taste good. So albeit that they've been a month in, they can see the writing on the wall. Things aren't going to end well. Moses, fix it. Once again, you may be feeling trapped within the circumstances of your life and you want somebody, somebody, to fix it. You want the government to step in or the medical profession or the principal from the school or the church. You want somebody to step in and fix it. But of course Moses can't fix it, but the Lord can And so what does the Lord do? Well, it seems that God just can't help himself. He comes through once again. He displays his grace and his mercy, his long-suffering. He promises that he will provide both meat and bread. He doesn't have to, but he does. And so we come to our reading today. Chapter 16 from verse 6. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites... In the evening you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Reminds them. He's brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? 
Moses also said, You will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning, because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And while Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. The Hebrew people, they're whinging, they're complaining, even though the Lord has already done so much for them. Yet they still complain. Be aware, you and I can be just like the Hebrew people. God has done so much for us. And we were thinking earlier on as we were singing that song, the goodness of God, his faithfulness, he has been so good. Once again, God has been gracious to us. He's provided all that we need and beyond. What a gracious God we serve. What a gracious God we have. Merciful God. We should be asking the Lord to forgive us for our complaints against him. Our lack of faith, our lack of trust in him. But Moses' response to the people is most telling. He once again highlights the faithfulness of God, but he also raises a question concerning their lack of a personal relationship with him. They complain for two reasons. Firstly, because they remember the good days, the good times from the past. As time goes by, we tend to see the past through rose-coloured glasses. Remember the good old days? Although only a month has passed, the Hebrew people could remember and began to savour the good old days back in Egypt. They thought about the security, the food, the shelter, the clothing that they had back in Egypt and they were forgetting about the afflictions of suffering and how they had cried out in desperation to God for help. Alexander McLaren wrote, People don't know how happy they are until they cease to be so. We often don't realise how happy we actually are. He went on to say, We tend to focus on our present miseries whilst at the same time emphasising the blessings of the past and the result is a rising discontent. We're not happy with the present and we think that the past was so much better than it actually was. But secondly, the main obstacle for the Hebrew people was that they didn't have a relationship with God. Moses was their go-to man. They lived in Egypt. They had taken on the worship of Egyptian gods, dead gods, they understood that Moses was the mediator between them and Yahweh. And so they always went to Moses. They hadn't yet come to know God as their own God, their personal God. 
And this would have been a foreign concept to them indeed, that they could know God. They probably thought that that wasn't even possible. Moses is challenging them. Moses' response in verses 7 and 8, Who are we that you should complain or grumble against us? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And we often complain about our circumstances or complain about those in authority or even the leadership in the church whilst we should be taking our prayerful concerns to the Lord, always to the Lord first. Moses is pointing the people to God. He longs that they begin to see that they can go directly to God to bring their concerns to him. Are you taking your concerns to God at the moment? Or are you stuck in discontent? Do you tend to remember the past through rose-coloured glasses? Forgetting the troubles and the dissatisfaction that you experienced back then. And forgetting how God carried you through all of those struggles. God wants a personal relationship with each one of us that stands on its own. When the struggles come and the mountains loom in front of us and we wonder how we're going to cope, when fear takes hold, when we lose our job, when cancer strikes, when we're facing the unknown, turn to God first. Then you might look to your Moses and to one another because we're not meant to do life on our own, but always seek God first. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Hebrew people were becoming increasingly discontent and discontentment distorts our perspective. And the answer to allowing our circumstances to corrupt our thinking or perspective is in praising God. Getting our perspective right with God. So praise God in a time like this. Let me take you to Philippians chapter 4. Very familiar words. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul says to those in the church at Philippi, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Here's the challenge. Can we determine that for the next 30 days we will make a conscious effort not to complain? That will be a challenge. And when we find ourselves complaining, 
Stop. I didn't write this into the message, but when I was about 13, I decided that for some reason, with older brothers and sisters, a lot of what was coming out of my mouth was not necessarily good. And so I determined that I wouldn't speak unless I had something good to say. Mum asked me after a few days, what's wrong? I said, well, I determined that if I haven't got something good to say, then I won't say anything. And it, it altered the way that I saw life and changed the way that I lived life. Can we determine that for the next 30 days we will make a conscious effort not to complain? Can we make a conscious effort to praise God more? Praising is being thankful for the good things. It's expressing our approval and gratitude, our admiration, our respect. It's as we look for that which is good and right and praiseworthy that we're filled with peace in our mind. In the most troubling of circumstances... We therefore need not be anxious about anything, but rather bring our request to God from an attitude of thanksgiving and and faith, trusting that he is working all things together for his good and that we can be transformed into the image of Jesus. And maybe to be in the image of Jesus means less complaint. Finally, the last verse of our reading says that as they looked toward the desert, there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. They understood God to be in that cloud. They were in the desert and they were feeling captive to the desert, but God was with them. Wherever you are and whatever you're facing in life, God is with you. God, God is with us. The the glory of God is with us. The power of God is with us. The mighty hand of God is with us. The protection and the provision of God is with us. The peace of God is with us. Amen? Can you look for that which is good and right and praiseworthy? Can you see God with you? Amen. We're going to stand and sing our closing song. Lord, I need you.